This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. It's the Velvet's Edge podcast with Kelly Henderson. Okay, Jaguar is how I would say your name, but you say it. Say it how you say it. Jaguar. Jaguar. Uh, it sounds fancier when you say it, but you're a holistic <laughs> therapist, which is actually really interesting to me because I feel like these words together are being used so much more frequently. Like we've always had, you know, maybe the mental health community that was therapy and psychiatrists, but now we're combining the holistic approach to that. Can you kind of talk through what the difference between like regular therapy and holistic therapy would be? Yeah. So I was going to get into that because I get asked that a lot and I only use that definition because it gives people access to me. Okay. Okay. So I'm more what I call myself is a linguistic physicist, right? But if I say like I'm a linguistic physicist, people are going to go, what's that? Like it doesn't, it doesn't really, it inspires questioning, but it doesn't inspire an automatic association. So traditional therapists for my definition would be like a psychotherapist, someone that studied like psychoanalysis or, you know, Jungian psychology is in more the traditional branch of psychology, which that world is, in my opinion, it's good. But it's not very effective. It's been around for a long time. And if it was that good, it would have ended all the trauma that certain generations have experienced and then we wouldn't need it anymore. Mm -hmm. And this is what I say to people. I was on a podcast last night and the guy goes, what's your ultimate goal? And I said, to have no clients. And he was like, what? And I said, yeah, to have no clients because that means everyone's healed. And so that's when an industry is really effective is because it takes the approach of fixing things completely getting to the root cause, ripping the root cause out, rather than dealing with symptoms. So I I feel like the traditional therapy world deals with the symptoms and the problems. Mm -hmm. Holistic therapy, I think, isn't boxed into one type of dynamic like cognitive behavioral therapy or internal family systems. IFS is pretty good, actually, but focusing on one modality like psychiatry, which is diagnostic in its approach, and, you know, we medicate people as a result of that, So holistic, I think, is being able to take something much more broader and look at everything rather than just one element. You know, it might be 
diet, lifestyle, movement, sleep, meditation, breath work, yoga, language. Like my world is just in the specifics of language and physics. And so that's what I think a holistic therapist is more about. Whereas traditional is like we look at one stream, we go to university or college or whatever, and then we just stay in that lane for our entire career. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've worked with psychologists and psychiatrists. One rings to mind the most. She was a psychologist for 26 years and we did six sessions together and unwound everything that she'd gone through. And she said, you just made me realize I wasted 26 years of my life being a psychologist because I'm not limited to, you know, the old frameworks, which can be helpful for some people. But I compare the two in this way. I said, most people are just trimming the branches of fear where I just go in and rip the root, rip it out at the root so it doesn't come back. And that's what I think the embodying a holistic approach really, really sort of personifies the definition through. I love that it's being applied to the therapeutic healing process now because it's the same as like Western medicine, you know, like I don't like to take medicine and that's always been my big thing. It's like they give you a pill and then it creates all these other problems in you. Maybe it takes away the symptoms of that one issue, but you have all these other symptoms now. And so I'm always like, well, what's the cause? And, you know, in most cases with our bodies, it feels like inflammation is the cause of everything. And so um, if you can get to the root of why that's happening in your body, then you actually are healing versus just like covering up the symptoms. And it's the same thing with the mind. And I think that's so, so, so interesting. I'm so glad that people like you are starting to explore that route. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that reflection and for the kind words as well, because it's so important if you really break it down. And this is where linguistics and physics come into play. Words are a vibration. When you speak, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, the, uh, the old yogis, they did chanting, right? So it's om like that. When you sit in the vibration of om, you can feel it vibrating up through the vagus nerve and up the spine into the head. Words are a vibration. We live in a physics-based universe. What we vibrate through our subconscious conversations are going to start to bring this in again and again and again. We can't help but attract that because that's who we are in that moment. And so when we're looking at inflammation, we look at the word inflammation. It's inflamed, which means on fire, so there's too much heat in the system. An anagram for heat is hate, okay? When we're in an internal state of hate, we're in an internal state of conflict. Conflict generates resistance. Resistance produces friction. Friction generates a massive amount of heat in the body. Heat's going to want to leave the body through the channels which heat needs to leave, which is the liver, gallbladder, eyes, and skin. And so when I look at someone that's got an autoimmune issue, they say the body attacks itself. The body doesn't attack itself. What happens is I look at the psychological component and you'll see that the person is psychologically attacking themselves Thus, the body is responding to the psychological conditions that it's creating for the physiological symptoms to show up. I use a metaphor of like if you're watching a storm come in over the ocean. Now, if this storm's very chaotic and we liken the storm to the mind, the water, which is the body, is going to replicate and reflect the intensity of the energy with which it's in dance with or relationship with to the storm. So if it's super chaotic, the water is just going to be very chaotic as well. Mm -hmm. So if our mind's chaotic, it's going to produce chaotic results in the body. Mm -hmm. It's actually in perfect harmony for the conditions that we're creating. And every time I work with someone with autoimmune issues, I'll pull apart their psychological condition and guess what they're doing? They're just attacking themselves psychologically. And this is the power of physics and, and words in, in this equation. What do you mean attacking yourself psychologically? Like critical voices and just talking to yourself poorly, that kind of thing? Self-hatred. Yeah. Self-hatred. Like okay. hate 
heat is an anagram for hate, right? So when someone hates themselves, they're going to produce a lot of heat in the system. Mm-hmm. Anger and rage, self-directed, are the two hottest emotions. It's why when you see someone raging in a cartoon, the head's hot and steam is coming out of the ears. It's because heat rises in the body. And so when we hate ourselves, we'll project it outwards. But Mm. we're really just in a state of self-hatred. You can't actually hate anyone else. You can only hate what you see in them, which is a reflection of who you are. Ugh, that one is a tricky one. It Um, is, yeah. (laughs) Well, I love that you started your whole journey into this. Well, I was reading your bio on your website. I thought it was really well done because you, you described basically a life that most people end up pursuing as the goal like that a life that you should should I'm doing air quotes have been happy and felt like maybe you got everything that we all dream of you know the money the success the businesses all of that stuff and you said you woke up one day and you just realized like all of the things that you thought would make you happy just really weren't making you happy so could you Mm -hmm. talk us through that period of your life like what did that look like yeah, I mean, it kind of escalated more and more. The more money I made, the more I spent, the bigger the purchase I needed to try to fill the void because it was indirect correlation. So all it did was reflect back the void that I had within that I couldn't see. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like trying to stuff it with, you know, clothes, cars, watches, women, drugs, alcohol, whatever it was. And over time, I remember there were two instances. I was in Mercedes and I was trading in my cars for a nearly half a million dollar Mercedes. And I was about to sign off on all the paperwork with it. And I just heard this voice. It sort of appeared up here and it drops in for me every now and then. I don't know. You could call it maybe a guide or whether it's just me in the future. I, I don't know. I know. I don't really worry about, you know, trying to define what it is, but it guides me. And it, I just heard it say, where does this end? Because then I would have needed a million dollar car after that mm. to satisfy it. And I just pushed the paperwork away and I said, I'm not doing this anymore. And there was another time where I was driving out with a friend and I'd had these marble cubes custom made that were $8,000 each as bedside tables. And I was looking out the window as she was driving me out there and she just said, you're really unhappy, aren't you? And I said, no, I'm desperately miserable. I hate my life. Because I realized that everything wasn't the answer that I'd been told is the answer. So it's constantly chasing this horizon. Like you never actually arrive when you're trying to compensate for an internal absence of self-worth by compensating using external material goods to make up for that. And so what I did from that point, I said, I need to figure out what I'm doing on this planet. It was just like my soul knew it. But I didn't know that I didn't know it at the time, but I had to actually sit down and say, well, I've actually got to find what it is I'm here to do because I'm not fulfilled. You know, there's no amount of cars, clothes and money that are going to make up for the absence of self-worth that I experienced in that moment. And I was making big money, sometimes $100,000 a month. You know, I had my gold Rolexes. I was traveling the world first class. I've been to 50 odd countries or something like that. And all I was doing was the same thing in every other country that I was doing in Sydney, which was partying. I mean, my nickname was the Wolf of Wall Street guy in Sydney. I mean, your imagination can go wild with that. Yeah. But all that was doing was medicating a deep wound of inadequacy and um, fear and limitation. And I thought the answers were out there, but, but they weren't. But I grew up in a, in a very abusive and emotionally abusive and physically abusive household. And so I thought I'd be able to get people to love me by being that successful person. But all that did was attracting the people that loved me for that reason, which actually made me feel more isolated. 
So you had the moment with your friend in the car, and then where do you go from there? You're like, I'm miserable, but then what? Yeah, so I sat down and I looked at, all right, like what are the industries in the world that I don't agree with? And I looked at big agriculture, big pharma, big media, big finance, big government, and big pharma was the one that really pulled me towards it. I was like, it's basically they have customers, not patients. They're in the business of sick care, not health care. Mm-hmm. They celebrate um, quarters where their profits go up, not go down. If they were really concerned with health, then they'd be wanting to eliminate sickness, but they're not. They're just interested in medicating it. So that was the first thing that I was kind of pulled to. Then I moved from Sydney to New Zealand and I got a farm over there, 10 acres over there. I was in the mountains and just isolated. I was drinking water from the earth. It was the cleanest air in the world in Wellington over there where I was living and just eating really clean food. I didn't have Wi-Fi over there. I didn't have a television. And I just was there for seven months, just allowing my body to purge all the drugs, all the alcohol and everything else. And I chose five areas which I was interested in. So one was tattooing, one was Brazilian jiu-jitsu, one was motorcycles, one was music, and one was naturopathy, which is being a naturopathy in Australia. And I used the process of elimination. And I started down each one, and I was doing a lot of drawing because I thought, you know, I'll be a tattoo artist because you probably see I'm covered in tattoos from head to toe. And I woke up one morning and I just started to write out these lists. One of the lists was what do I spend most of my time researching, which was the nature of consciousness, reality, trauma, the mind, shamanic stuff, mystical experiences, psychedelics. Then it's like, what am I good at? Well, communication and speaking. What do people tell me I'm good at? Communication and speaking. What do people come to me for? Advice. And I looked at it. I just went, oh, I'm meant to be a therapist. And it was just that. And about six to 12 months after that, I was sitting there on the edge of my bed And that voice came back in and just said, you're here to dissolve sexual trauma. Mm. And I started to look it up and I spoke to, I went to university for a little while and that was really where I decided that the traditional method was not going to be for me because it wasn't deep enough. And I said to myself, if I'm going to go be a therapist, I'm going to do something that either hasn't been done or is very difficult to do because I'm not going to play small in this because I know it's my purpose. And when I heard the sexual trauma aspect, I spoke to one of my university teachers and they said what do you want to do and I said well I want to I'm here to dissolve sexual trauma she kind of laughed and said well can't be done you're not you can't do it there's nowhere teaches it and it just can't be done and so I said all right well I just got to go figure it out myself so I quit uni and then figured it out myself on how to do that and then the first couple of years was around helping I think 1400 or something women dissolve the circumstances of the sexual trauma and the programs and the mind issues and the diseases that that created and now I work specifically with men to do that so they can hold sacred space for women and start to, and we'll get into that maybe a bit later in the podcast, um, hold sacred space for for women energetically so they can feel safe again. So that was kind of it, how I went down that path. Yeah. I have a question about how much a person like you is constantly kind of doing his own work while you pursue these kind of things and you're helping other people. Because when I'm hearing your story, what was lining up for me was this piece of like, wait, so how far along did you get in your healing first? And because how did you have the confidence to even trust the voices in your head? Like I know as also a person who's been in some abusive dynamics, the thing that happened to me the most was I really questioned myself on everything. Like that was the biggest um, thing I walked away from having to gain every time was just sort of like, getting my confidence back maybe and trusting my intuition because 
when you're in a situation where you're being gaslit or abused or whatever you want to call it, um, that's kind of the thing that can go. So how much had you done before you started to actually pursue it? Or was it one of those things where you were like, I'm just going to take the next right step and it's just going to reveal itself to me? Yeah, more the latter for sure. And okay. I've had 16 businesses in my time. And yeah. when I was getting into it, I was trying to get another investment company off the ground. And my soul was just like, don't do this. Mm-hmm. And I said to my business partner at the time, I said, I can't make another fucking investment phone call. I'm going to go step into therapy. I had no contacts in the therapy world. I didn't know a therapist. I had nothing, but Mm -hmm. I just knew I had to do it. And anyway, the day I made the decision, the next day I got invited to a dinner and I met two guys who are two of my best friends now. And both of them had been cheated on in eight-year relationships. And I just said, let's do some therapy together. One guy had developed psoriasis down the left side of his body, left side being the feminine side, and it was all the heat from the affair that his ex-partner had had. Mm-hmm. And the other guy had developed uh, IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome, which is a digestion issue um, from being in the relationship as well. So I ended up working with both those guys. What I did is I linked up the patterns. I didn't even know really what I was doing, to be honest. I just was going with it, and I've got this ability to hear the way someone speaks is the way that they present. And what will happen to me is when I'm in the space of doing the healing, it'll be like neon words will float up in front of me. So it's like watching a movie screen holographically and I'll see it. I'll just see what they can't see. I can't really explain it. I don't know why I've been given that, but it's just a gift that I've been given. I can hear it and I can see it. And so what I did was linked up the patterns. And then after our first session each time, his rash went away because he had an emotional release. My friend's IBS went away after that he'd had for, I think it was 11 years or something like that. This guy couldn't eat almost anything. And then the next day it was completely gone. Mm. And, you know, I think years now it's still not come back in any form. So as I went through that, I, I was just like, whoa, what's happening? This is, this is crazy. And then the third person I got was a woman that had experienced sexual trauma at the hands of her father's best friend. And so she came to me, not for that, but to find a relationship. And I said to her, you're not being vulnerable. And she's like, yeah, I am. I said, and my exact words were, no, no, you're full of shit. You're not being vulnerable at all. This is why you won't bring a man in. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, when was the last time you were really vulnerable? And she said, well, in my last relationship. I said, no, it wasn't. I said, it was when you were six and your dad's best friend molested you. That was the last time you're truly vulnerable. And since then, you've shut yourself down to not allow that in and all, at all. And she sort of almost went catatonic. She was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, she could see it. So her perception shifted and her body released, right? So she went through like a five or six-day releasing process. But the thing that was fascinating about it was that she hadn't spoken to her dad for five years. In the world of quantum physics, what had happened is she'd released what had happened in that moment by allowing herself to be vulnerable, by seeing the blockages that were there. The next morning, her dad sent her a message saying to her, I miss you so much, I love you, and I'm sorry I never kept you safe when you were a little girl. Now, the reason why she stopped speaking to him is because she told her father what happened, and he said, that never happened, that's bullshit. That was the last time he spoke to her. And then within 24 hours of me helping her to see the pattern, she became energetically to available, available to get the thing that she wanted the most, which is acknowledgement from her father. They repaired the relationship. She dissolved it. She's now met a man that she's engaged to. 
you know? So this is the energetics from a quantum level. There's no distance in the quantum realm. Once we release the stuff from the body, this is why I say I'm a linguistic physicist, because it opened up, she became able to receive the love that she truly wanted from the man that she loved the most, which was her father. So then she was able to receive love from another man because that's what had been blocking her off. So the reason why I use these examples was to say I just took the leap into it and let it reveal itself. And I trusted that whatever was meant for me was going to work out in ways that I didn't fully understand at the time, but I had to take it. And then I started to do my own work on myself through the reflection of the people that were actually being attracted into me. Mm. I mean, I've, I did more healing in the first two years of my work than I'd done 20 years prior to that. And I thought that I'd done a lot of healing prior to that. But through my clients and the ability to see things, I was having my own releases and my own healing happen by virtue of the fact that they'd come in to reflect that back to me. So it was a it was a real beautiful gift that I got to do my own healing through my own work, develop a new system that hasn't been developed yet as far as I know, and also to help others in the meantime. So it was this such a sacred gift that I'd been given in the ability to do this. If you know anything about me, you know I am a massive creature of comfort. It is one of my top priorities in life to make my surroundings comfortable at all times. So when I found Cozy Earth, I quickly scooped up all of the luxurious bedding and loungewear that I could. It felt very on brand for me, but then I went on a trip with a girlfriend not too long ago where she could not stop commenting on how cute and comfy my pajamas were, which then made me realize they may also be my new favorite travel companion as well. Guys, I am not kidding when I say you will experience unmatched softness and smoothness with all of Cozy Earth's products. The temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew add comfort and a touch of style to any travel ensemble, and their bedding comes in the most adorable totes, making it a super easy gift to give anyone. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code VELVETSEDGE at the checkout for an exclusive 35% off and let them know we sent you when you're at the checkout. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. I mean, that story just really made me want to cry. That is insane. But it's like... 
I've been talking about this a lot, and this is kind of um, revealing itself to me in my life. Like you just said, I've done, I think, a lot of work. But what I'm really starting to resonate with is, you know, the body keeps the, the score kind of mentality of just like we store these energies in our body and all the blocks are there because we're just holding on to stuff. And it does really block us from attracting things in or we do attract the things in that are bad and they just repeat those cycles. Bad for us, I mean. Um, the, the fact that you mentioned two things, the healing of the IBS and the psoriasis like I keep trying to say to people around me I'm like you do realize it's all connected so like if you haven't yeah. healed your past relationship with your parents or your ex-boyfriend or whatever it could be from that or something so people aren't really understanding that everything is connected and then what happens to us when we release something and then just how it goes out into the universe and then what we're bringing back, like her dad calling her the next day. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't explain that other. Well, you just kind of did, but like you can't explain it other than to say it's an energy thing, you know, that. Yeah. So you can't deny that piece of it. I just think it's fascinating. Yeah, and it's physics. It's the way that the world works. I always say to people, I don't care if you believe in physics or not, that's how it works. Yeah. There was another guy I was working with that his dad was riddled with arthritis and he was angry at his dad because his dad never said that he loved him in 36 years. Mm. And I said to him, I go, have you told your dad that you love him? And he goes, no. I said, when did you last speak to him? And he goes, two years ago. This was when the pandemic started. And he goes, uh, two years ago. And I said, okay, so you're angry at him because he hasn't told you that he loves you. And he goes, yeah. And I said, you're doing the same thing to him that you're blaming him for doing to you. And I said, but you're so much more further ahead than that, that you're aware of it. Your dad would be terrified. He'd be a little boy with that much arthritis in his body. He'd be holding on to anger and resentment. And you're doing the very thing that you're blaming him for doing to you. Mm-hmm. And then I used a few questions to help him reframe and shift the perspective by asking, I said, do you think if you went through your dad's life with his parents, with his traumas, with his choices, with his teachers, that you'd be the same? And he goes, no. And I said, yeah, you would. Because you come into this world as a blank slate, like a baby that's a complete open slate. And we make choices and get programmed based on our conditioned environment. So you'd be exactly the same as him if you'd gone through everything he did. And I would even go as far to say that you're being him by doing the same thing that you're blaming him for doing to you. Mm. He started crying, this guy. He's like, oh, my God, like, I just never saw it like that. That night, his dad messaged him saying, hey, I hope everything's down, okay down in Sydney. He's from the UK. I miss you and I love you. Because he finally got ready to let go of her because he'd been seeing that he'd been making his dad wrong and doing the very thing that he was blaming his dad for doing to him. You know, it's madness. So this is the, the realm of physics, that when there's that pop and release at the deepest level, the body just starts to let go. And then the mind becomes more expanded and then we, we're able to receive. And all diseases, like if you break the word down, it's dis-ease. Mm-hmm. It's inflammation and stress and conflict in the body. And whatever that's going to show up as IBS is just, is just a byproduct of being scared. That's all mm-hmm. it is. It's got nothing to do with food. I worked with another woman that had, was raped when she was 13. She was 21 and she spent like, I think it was $20,000 a year trying to sort out her IBS. So this woman couldn't eat like a leaf of lettuce without being in bed for four days, you know? And I, she rang me and she's like, oh, I heard about 
someone talking about you over the fence at a party. And I had to go next door to find out who you were because you'd helped someone with this amazing result. And she goes, and I've had IBS and it's been terrible for so long. And I'm wondering if you could help me. And I said, yeah, three sessions and we should be able to sort it out. And she's like, what, a week or something like that? I said, no, three sessions and we should be done. By the third session, we didn't need the third session because we linked it up to what had happened when she was 13. And because she was raped, that area, which is around the sacral area, had all this pressure that had been contained there through energetics, right? So what it was, it was a protection mechanism actually to keep out any male attention. And so by doing that, the body was trying to regulate itself because she was so scared, which all the blood goes from the digestion to the arms and the legs. It doesn't become a priority, so you can't digest your food because she hadn't digested the experience. And she was still living as a 13-year-old girl, but she was 21. So after the two sessions, she popped. We linked it all up. IBS was gone by 95% and it's never come back, right? It's energetic. And I said, yeah. what do you want the most out of this? She goes, I just want to eat a cold apple. I said, go eat one tonight because it's got nothing to do with food. It's just energetic. Yeah. Wow. That's the nature of physics. Yeah, it's crazy. I recently stopped drinking and I've noticed such a difference. Like it was almost like an energetic block. I don't know how to explain it other than that. That's what I keep saying to people is for some reason for me, um, the alcohol was like keeping something stuck from my connection to the universe in whatever way. And so now that I've stopped, it's like I'm having the most insane dreams and I'm like feeling this intuit intuition that I didn't. I think I knew was in there, but like I wasn't able to connect to. And it just proved to me that um, the energy of certain things and even foods and alcohol or whatever it is can really desensitize us to the energy happening around us. Totally. I mean, even the word alcohol is an Arabic word, which means alcohol, which means body eating spirit, right? That's why they call them spirits because they were used to invoke spirits in um, cultures for magic right that's oh, wow. that was it yeah so there is a there is a world out there and i do work a little bit in it um which is you know there's spiritual interference which can take us over and alcohol was one of the things that was used for that from a spiritual perspective it's been used in black magic it's been in, used to invoke demonic spirits all sorts of stuff and this is the same thing happened to me when i moved to new zealand i was having and i still have a precognitive dream so yeah I'll know what's going to happen the next day based on the dreams that I'm having because there's no time in that quantum realm. And there is a part that we're choosing based on our vibrational constructs that we're operating out of. So intuition, it's an interesting one because most people are guided by intuition. They call it intuition, but it's actually their traumatic programming. Okay. And so it's like the aspect of butterflies in the stomach. And when someone says, oh, I've met someone, I've got butterflies in my stomach, I said, well, let's not get Disney about the fact that that's the same place where IBS shows up when you've got a lot of fib that's been accumulated in the stomach, same as where the butterflies show up. Yeah. So is that intuition or is it traumatic programming? And I would assert that it's traumatic programming because I've seen it too many times to, to be argued against it. Like you shouldn't be having a lot of butterflies in the stomach when you meet someone new. There can be a bit of excitement, but you want it to be calm. Mm -hmm. So when we're activated through that traumatic programming, not intuition, the person that we've met usually has exactly the same energetic frequency as the care provider that showed us the absence of love. And so when people go, I feel like I've known you forever, it's like, well, you mm -hmm. have energetically because you emit the same thing as my father or my mother. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it feels so familiar to us. Right. You know, so that's the traumatic programming. So intuition is like a deep knowing. But the ego, which is the collector of programs, is going to be guiding that until you 
dissolve the programs that are in the way of your true intuition. Okay, that makes sense. So intuition yeah. isn't what the what was the first thing you said about it? Traumatic programming. Tra- so so it's, it can be blocked. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and you'll believe that it's intuition. Got and the it. ego does this beautiful trick to do that because the ego wants to maintain its own existence. Yeah. Right. So the ego is the subconscious mind. And it's developed a house in the psyche, right? So there's a house in the subconscious psyche and there's all these rooms and each one of these rooms is a program. And these programs don't know that the other programs exist and it's subconscious, so it's underneath conscious awareness. And so the conscious mind doesn't know that these rooms are there as well. And so the ego has done this masterful way to hide this out of view, but the unconscious vibrationally is going to bring in the events and circumstances to help show us that these rooms are there. The ego is very tricky. It's very masterful. Originally, it was just used for running away from tigers and bears and for men, it was protecting our women when we were cavemen and that's it. But as more intelligence and evolution has happened, guess what's evolved and become more intelligent? The ego. And it's mm. become masterfully smart. And when I saw this, I was like, oh, you fucking tricky little bastard. Like, you got me. <laughs> so when I started this work, I worked with a tarot reader, a psychic. Yeah. And she said, Jag, for you, the quickest way to hell is to buy into the guru status. She goes, you're going to be made a guru of, you're going to be deified. It's all going to happen. So instantly, what did I do? I started to develop a mechanism of humility. But the humility was only to feed the guru that was humble, right? It's like, oh my you God, know, yes. Yeah. So I didn't see that. And it's like, there's a saying in the old religious, there's none so pious as the new convert, right? Or there's none so self-righteous as the newly converted. So I'd become like this false, you know, um, humble guru. And I was like, no, it's all you. It's got nothing to do with me. While behind the scenes, I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking pretty good. You know, like (laughs) that. I'm like at a cafe and like, I'll be talking to a woman or something and doing cold reading on her, like going, she'll touch your left elbow, go, cool. Your mom didn't support you when you were a kid, right? And she's like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, this is too much. And so it was like, I'd become this shadow magician under the false guise of being humble about it. And it was, you know, and that's what the ego did for me, developed it. So I heard this info and then went the other way. Then when I saw it, it started to dissolve and it was like, okay, cool. I don't need to be the the wizard or, you know, the Jesus one person called me. I was like, slow your roll, like chill, I'm not Jesus. And so it it was this masterful way that the ego set itself up to maintain its own sense of survival for me, which I bought right into because I thought that I transcended it, but yeah. I hadn't, I bought right into it. And so the mm-hmm. ego can do that to us. Tricky little bastard for sure. But like, how, yep. do, what do we do about that? Because it's subconscious. Like you said, you actually were thinking, okay, yeah, I'm going to help people and do all this stuff and be humble. But mm-hmm. it ended up turning out that that was the ego driving the bus. So how do we yeah. know that that's even happening? Yeah. And this is the sort of gift of it. This is where the ego will try to hide it, but the unconscious, which is the soul, so subconscious ego, unconscious is the soul. Okay. Vibrationally, what happens is like water going into a glass or a container, the water is going to take shape of that container. So the ego is going to wrap these programs around the soul. So it's like chains around the soul. So we're here to break free from it. Mm-hmm. So because the soul is a vibrational experience and then it goes word, in the subconscious, language is the extension of the word. Word, The language creates a code, then code creates these programs. 
the beautiful thing about it is because the soul's a vibrational essence and so is words, we attract in the same situations again and again and again and again. So how the ego works is in the form of negation, like I'm not something, like I'm not enough is a big one. Mm-hmm. So if I say to you, okay, don't think about a red car, you'll start thinking about a red car. Yeah. But you won't think about the words of me saying don't think about a red car. You'll picture a red car in your mm-hmm. mind. And so these programs, they have a set of thoughts and feelings that go with it. And so what will happen is the thoughts that will come up. So I'm not enough might be like, I'll never get that job. That person's not going to like me. It's going to mm-hmm. show up as these thoughts, which we call beliefs, which aren't true anyway, but they're extensions of these deeper subconscious programs. But the beautiful thing about it is that the unconscious is going to bring them in again and again and again and be like, come on, Kelly, come on, Jack, fucking wake up. Like I've bought this to you 500 yeah. times. When are you going to get it? So it's right in front of us all the time. We just can't see it. Mm-hmm. I was working with a guy. As I'll give you an example. I was working with this guy on the weekend and he grew up in the Jehovah's Witness. And the Jehovah's Witness believe that there's this paradise on earth that's coming and you've got to wait for the next life in so many religions that they do that. And I said to him, and he just, there's a real disdain for it, or there had been. And I said to him, because his dad's in his 70s, 80s, and he's wasted his whole life waiting for this new thing to come forward. Yeah. And I said, how old are you? And he goes, I'm 40. And I said, okay, so are you waiting for the next life? And he goes, no way. He's like, I can't believe the Jehovah's Witness teach that. That's so fucked up, like blah, 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 blah. And I said, so do you think they taught you to wait for the next life? He goes, yep, 100%. I said, but you're not waiting for the next life. So did they actually teach you how precious life is and not to wait for that? Or did they teach you to wait for it? Because what I'm hearing is that that was actually a gift. And then that's taught you now to come to someone like me so you can break free from that and then actually look at that as a gift to not waste your life so you don't end up like your father. So I want you to consider that the Jehovah's Witness in your father taught you exactly what you need to, not by virtue of the fact that they were who you wanted them to be, but by virtue of the fact that they were who you needed them to be, which mm-hmm. led you to me so you could be triggered into this experience to be free. So you realize now that you get to go and live a life of beauty, abundance, joy, and love and freedom as opposed to be constrained waiting for the next life. Mm-hmm. And he just went, oh, my God, I didn't see it like that. I said, yes, but it had been in your field the whole time. You just couldn't see it that way. And so he completely recontextualized his whole entire life prior to that as this beautiful gift that he now gets to go and live the next 40 or 60 years in this joy and abundance without worrying about the blame and the anger and the hatred he had for not being brought up the way he thought that he should have been brought up. Rather, his soul had put him into this place and pushed him into it for his own evolution, of which now he gets to be free and look at his history as a gift rather than a curse. And so life will give it to us again and again and again and again. Oh, yeah. And when we can see it that way, and that's what I do for people is help them shift it, but it's right in front of you the whole time. You're the common theme in your life. Mm-hmm. Like wherever your problems are, you're always there. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can't, you can't remove yourself from the situation, but people want to blame the outside world, but the ego will, will blame the outside world, but the soul will keep bringing it in because it wants to break free from it. Yeah, I actually am finally understanding that because especially in or this my experience is the last couple of years, it's been um well the universe likes to give me a similar type of boyfriend so that I finally can learn the lessons that I need to. And I am and it's it, but when I what I realized after this last one um as I kept being like, "Uh, just taking on that I'm the common denominator, so like I must be so fucked up," right? Like it just mm-hmm. feels like Almost I was viewing it as this like 
punishing me to say that I'm the common denominator thing. But what's happened this last time is I really finally accepted certain things that I was just not willing to accept about myself. And and I've now taken on um, some new roles or like looking at things in a different way or even eliminating certain things from my life that I wasn't ready to let go of. And so they were like, okay, Mm -hmm. one more time, here we go. Like, we just got to show you this one more time. And it happened in every area of my life. Like, and yeah. a boyfriend, work, a friend, like it was exactly the same dynamic. And I mm-hmm. was a common denominator because I was playing the exact same role in all of those relationships. Yeah. And that's what I mean. It's showing up for you everywhere. Right. Right. And so, I mean, you're probably attracting guys that don't really step up to the plate. You're obviously very successful, independent, all that kind of stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was a bit more of a masculine role going on for you. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you know, attracting in men that don't really step up and they're probably needy and want you to mother them or something like that. You know, this is usually the typical constraint. I'll do everything by myself. Yeah. And then, yeah. So it's like that's developed through childhood. And then we'll develop, we'll bring in people to reflect that and reveal that for us. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all programmed the same. We're all programmed the same. And it gets frustrating because it's like what you would have been doing is trying to resolve the unfinished business. What you did is you've got unfinished business with one of your caretakers Mm -hmm. and you're looking to resolve that unfinished business through the reflection of partnership. Mm -hmm. And it would have just been the same thing. I had this with my mum. My mum was a Leo. Every woman I dated was a Leo for like 12 years. I'm oh, like, what the Leo fuck too. is this madness? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? so, so it was the same thing, same relationship, same everything. Yes. And when I started to break that apart, it stopped showing up. Really? Yeah. That's good to know. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk a, bit, a little bit about your work that you are doing. And you mentioned that you started um, focusing on women and sexual healing sexual trauma. Was it women at first and then kind of evolved? Only women. Only women. And now you said yeah. you focus more on men? Only men, yeah, at the moment. Oh, only men. Okay, talk us through yeah. that dynamic. So I, it's not that I necessarily chose that. That's just what life had in store for me. Okay. And so what I was doing with that, you know, that was just given to me. And a whole host of things would show up, women that their hair wouldn't grow properly, um, you know, IBS, cancer, you know, vulvodynia, STDs, things like that. They were all showing up around this. And so the beautiful gift in all of that for me was that I got to hold a space of love and acceptance for them help them to see that men can be trusted. And that was really the gift of it all. I remember I did a psychedelic journey before I started a few years ago and I was standing on the top of this hill and there were all these light beings in front of me and uh, there are hundreds of thousands of them. And I was standing next to this like lotus flower being. It was like humanoid, but its head was a lotus flower. And I said, who are all these people? And it said, these are all the people that you're going to help in this life. But it's not going to be through this amazing gift that you're doing. You're going to make them feel so loved and accepted that they're going to heal just by being in your presence with that. And I didn't know what that fully meant at the time, but that's what had actually started to open up. So there's like the maternal and paternal energies, right? So the maternal is I just love and accept you Mm -hmm. as you are with all the trauma, with all the difficulty. You're not broken as society might think that you are. You're not tainted something happened and we'll resolve it. And then I'd move into more of the father energy, which is like, all right, cool. Let's fucking fix this shit as quickly as possible and get you on the road so you can go live your life. And so I helped, you know, I think 1400 or 1800 women or something like that to resolve that. 
and overcome that. And now what I'm doing with men is, which I'm really passionate about, is to help them hold a safe space in the sexual arena for women to not not to be crass, but fuck women like they hate them, mm-hmm. which is how most most men treat women mm-hmm. because it's celebrated through porn. So I'll get them away from porn. I'll get them away from their limiting beliefs. You know, the amount of women that I worked with that had consensual sex that felt like a rape experience for them was mind-blowing, yeah. right, where the guy mm-hmm. would just be super rough, yes. you know, and like the experience would last six to 11 minutes and that's usually the average time and I'm like, you know, teaching men, I'm like, you should be kissing for 30 to 45 minutes with your mm-hmm. clothes on with your woman. Touch her softly, touch her slowly. Like, you know, if you want to do a rough and that's what she's into, go, be consensual about it. But don't force that on a woman like she's something there just to serve you in that way. Right. And so the next thing for me is to help men to understand not to objectify women. Don't, you know, like when they walk down the street, kick your mate under the table and go, oh, look at that one, look at that one. It's like, it's, it's just gross behavior in my world. You know, that's not respecting mm-hmm. the feminine. It's not respecting another human being and it's not respecting yourself. And there's this narrative out there that's kind of like red pill culture. I don't know if you've heard of that yet. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like, you know, alphas, they do what's called spinning plates. And okay. spinning plates is having a rotation of women. Oh, yeah. And the alpha will just, you know, pick and choose and whatever and do whatever he wants but not commit to a relationship. And I just think as a species we're meant to evolve. And that might have worked in the animal kingdom, might have worked when we were cavemen or something like that. But as we evolve as spiritual beings and start to become more connected to God, to source the spirit, to love, you know, we want to go deep with someone. That's why there's male, female, masculine, feminine, man, mm-hmm. woman, because it's a union that we're meant to experience through the other person. And so sex is spirit descending, which is involution, and physical ascending, which is evolution. And it's meant to go from the top, from the bottom up and meet in the center of the heart. It's why it's called making love, because in the experience of union, it's two halves of one whole coming together. Where I think that there's been a big disservice to all of it is this new age thing, which is like, oh, it's about harmonizing everything internally. It's like, well, sure, there's an experience of wholeness there, but there's also a reason that there's male and female Mm -hmm. that unify together in order to create a whole. That's why like when you get it right, you can actually lose yourself and you won't feel your body. You'll start to have a spiritual experience in that world. So what I want to teach is men to get past this animalistic nature, get away from pornography, get away from objectifying women and start to transcend that into a place where they can still be a man, you know, Mm -hmm. still, you know, do your Brazilian jiu-jitsu, be a warrior, be a hunter, be a farmer, but step into the heart and love your woman and be a gentleman about it at the same time. Like bring the best of both worlds in. You don't need to be the, the weak, nice guy that tries to manipulate women to get sex and is weak and all that. Be strong. Know how to kick someone's ass. You know, go and kill animals if you want in a sacred way. Be a farmer. That's why, like, there's nothing wrong with being a farmer and growing food. It's why they say farm boy strength, like farmers are strong. Be an alpha in that way. But also treat your woman with respect and commit Mm -hmm. to her. I wrote about this the other day, that a real man will step up and make a commitment. Like, sleeping with heaps of women is easy. It's not hard to sleep around. Right. That seems to be the ultimate thing of, like, yeah, I've got this many women on the go. It's like... To me, that just seems empty and vacuous and you just need validation, which is actually a sense of powerlessness. And to me, that doesn't represent anything that a man really wants to do. Rather, it's just an animalistic nature because you're too scared of intimacy. Yeah. You know, and like that can be scary to go into a deep sense of intimacy and really open your heart. That's what I think it takes a real man is to actually 
go into that world and kill off the ego demons that are in the way of that. That's the hard task a man face these, faces these days. So that's what I'm helping men with um, at the moment at this current iteration of my work. Oof, I love that. And the funny There's thing, a lot in that, sorry. I mean, <laughs> but it's so beautiful <laughs> because ultimately, I mean, as a feminine, like that is what we want, what you just described. And so it's very interesting what's happening where the the animalistic or whatever you said, like the women are going along with it too. And I guess that's because we're all just kind of floating around unconscious. But like, it's very interesting when you put it in the way you just put it, like that is exactly what I would describe I want in a partner, yeah. you know? And so it, I'm mm -hmm. very excited to hear that men are actually going in to do this work. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. So what is it, what are you seeing with the men coming to you? Are they just willing, or is it because they're unsatisfied, like you found yourself in your life? Yeah, a little bit of both. Okay. You know, some men are, a lot of the men I work with, most people find me when they've tried everything else. Yeah. So they've been in AA or CODA or Narc Anonymous or therapy mm -hmm. or everything for 10 or 20 years. And they're just like, man, like I've tried everything. And P, I just hear your name and people like, you come to me at the end of your point where it's like, I've had enough. I've hit rock bottom. I'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. And so the men are really willing to step up. But it's, you know, my nickname, unofficial nickname is like the emotional pit bull because I can okay. be pretty savage, right? Like pit bulls are beautiful. They're very affectionate. They're very right. loving. <laughs> but they, they can be pretty savage. Don't like, mess right, with them. They need yeah. To. yeah. And so I kind of take that approach where I'll say to someone, it's like, you know, you're playing way too fucking small and I won't allow it. Man the fuck up. Like I'm not really mm -hmm. a big fan of the term man up, but in the right circumstance, if someone's playing small, I just got off the phone before I was talking to, before I started this with you. 
And one of my clients messaged me and he said, my woman is demanding that I do ayahuasca if she want, if I want to have sex with her again because she wants me to become spiritual. Okay. And I said, and he goes, how can I sort of answer that by keeping the relationship? I said, that's the wrong question. You should be asking why you're in the relationship in the first place. Because if a woman's going to make you do that, I've done ayahuasca. And it, I remember when I did it the first time, my partner asked me, she goes, should I do it? And I said, I can't tell you to do it. I can't tell you not to do it. You need to feel the call. Right. And I said, what she's doing is she's manipulating you by using sex to try to subdue you and bend you to her will. I would just say, no, that's a complete sentence. And you shouldn't want me to do something that could be potentially traumatic. Mm-hmm. And I need to take some space because I don't know if I want to be with a woman that's going to try to make me do that. And I said, if she does it with that, she'll do it somewhere else and she'll do it somewhere else. You're training her to make her think that that behavior is okay. I mean, no one should do that anyway. Ayahuasca is a huge experience and it should definitely not be forced upon someone under the guise of her saying, I want to be with a more spiritual man. I said, her demand is actually fully based in the ego. There's no acceptance there. She's been completely manipulative. And so when men come to me and I start to show them this stuff and also how to treat their women better to set boundaries, to do all of these things, which is really important for them, they're very willing to do it but it can be quite difficult as well. I had another guy yesterday when I was working in his space of victim and powerlessness. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, I go, what you've got to do is write out a list of everywhere where you're blaming the world, people, circumstances for your own bullshit. And within an hour, he started to shut down because it was too overwhelming for him. Because when we confront these things, it has to be done in a way where you take full responsibility for your outcome. So when someone's operating from a sense of powerlessness, which is a big one in the world of men, they're going to seek to conquer and dominate and p- impose their will on the world. And so when we take full responsibility for our outcome, I say to men, I go, what's going to scare you the most is how powerful you are, not how powerless you've been. That's easy to get rid of, but actually stepping into full responsibility because you'll have to realize that you will have to take responsibility for every fucking thing that you've ever done. And that can be a hard position to be in. But if you want to step into being a man, that's what you have to do. So this guy I was working with, that's what's happening to him. Now he's doing it and he goes, this is so difficult. I've got a headache. I'm shutting down. I just want to sleep. I'm like, then just take it easy on yourself, but you still need to do it. And I'm here for you to support you through it. But don't message me telling me how hard it is again. Get it fucking done and send me the list. You know, so sometimes I have to get There's into the that mode. That's, yeah, that's the pit bull, right? Because it's like his victim's trying to play up and go, right. oh, you know, like this is happening and there's a trauma response coming up in his body. But I'm also like the next message I want from you is the list from you. Don't mm-hmm. make me fucking wait. Yeah. You know, and that's the sort of they're willing, so they're willing to be led that way. And I wouldn't work with someone that's not willing to do that. You know, I don't want to waste their time and I definitely don't want to waste my time uh, in that world. So Men are very willing when they come to me to step into and be like, I'll do whatever it takes. Okay, here's my question. So you mentioned the guy with the partner and you were like, I don't know if I'd be in a relationship like that. Are you seeing with the guys coming to you that are already in relationships that their woman is then able to step up into that consciousness or is she already there or are they leaving the relationships? Like what's, are the women able to hold that space with them? A mix, right? So okay. it's interesting that you say like a woman able to hold that space. Woman's not really, in my world, a woman's not really meant to hold the space for the okay. man. This is what we've got out there in the narrative at the moment where it's like, oh, woman's meant to hold space for the man. It's the other way around, okay. right? The man's meant to hold space for the woman. 
I won't take most of my stuff to my partner. I'll bring like one to 3% and it'll only be when it really involves something important. I'll be like, hey, I've got to process something. I'll speak to you a little bit later today or tomorrow, whatever, and I'll check in and do it that way. Okay. So the woman, one of it'll be a mix of all three of those, to be honest. It will be the container of that relationship will have to end because that man has only been in a relationship with his own demands, with his own needs, and with his own fears. He hasn't been in a relationship with her. So what will happen is usually one of two things. She'll be able to soften and go much more feminine, and he'll step up, at which there'll be a beautiful dynamic polarity mm-hmm. will come back into the relationship, and they'll start to connect again. Other times, if it's, a, if it's shifted where the woman's more masculine and he steps up into it, there'll be a clash and the polarity will start to die off and she'll probably leave or he'll leave and they'll go into different relationships. So it'll be one of the two or she'll then come to me and say, all right, I need to work with you as well. Help me dissolve my stuff. And then they finally get to be in a relationship. I remember I worked with a couple that have been together for 26 years and I worked with both of them, helped them to dissolve all their stuff. And they were like when they first met again. And I said to them, I said, you two are now actually in a relationship with each other because you'd only been in a relationship with your own inner child, which is your own fears for the last 26 years. And now you get to see each other for the first time again. And it was like they're in honeymoon mode again, you know? So when both partners are willing, it's beautiful, but I really do believe it's more important for the man to step up and lead the relationship if they want a really feminine partner, you know? And I think one of the big problems is in society now with men, it's like, take everything to your partner, you know, be vulnerable, open up. It's beautiful to operate from the heart, but you don't want to take 100% of your problems to your female partner because she'll end up not trusting you because if you can't handle your own shit, she's just going to be like, okay, well, I don't trust you subconsciously because you're supposed to protect me. And if you can't protect me by looking after yourself and handle your own shit, then I'm not going to really be that happy in this relationship unless I want to you know, conquer and dominate you and be too masculine. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the term conscious relationship? I feel like I it's think like, they can be. I was just so gonna say, dumb. I think it's so buzzy now. Everyone's throwing it around, and so I'm wondering if it's getting a little lost. Yeah, I think it's it can be a lot of hard work because what will happen is people say they want to be in a conscious mm-hmm. relationship, and then they're going to modify their ego in order to say <laughs> they're in a conscious relationship. You know, and then it becomes just another battle of the ego. I mean, mm-hmm. what does that even mean? How do we define that? What what is a conscious relationship? I would be looking at a relationship from the aspect of it is a container for my healing. It is not a container where you're responsible for loving me. You know, that's a desire. It's not necessarily a demand. But most people think you're responsible for the love that I'm feeling and the connection Mm -hmm. that I'm feeling. And so I need you to fulfill all of my demands and needs so I feel safe. Whereas if I look at them, I just go, and a relationship, firstly, there's no relationship with anyone else. It's a relationship with yourself. And that person is one of your karmic actors on your soul's journey to push you into evolution. That's the way that I see it. And so when we say, okay, what's this showing me about how I can improve my relationship with myself? Then they become this divine mirror that has come into my life to help me expand past the fears and limitations that I've had created or put into me through my environment when I'm growing up. So a conscious relationship to me is that this person has come in to assist with my healing and it will last as long as it needs to last. That's my impression of a conscious relationship. Most people would see it as something different where it's like, oh, we'll go to therapy, you know, we'll do ayahuasca together, we'll, you know, do all these things together and we're in this twin flame union or whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. that sort of, you know, rhetoric that's being thrown around. So the most important thing that I say to people that I truly believe 
is that you want to be conscious in a partnership, do the work on yourself and realize that it's a container for your healing. It's not for to get love from someone else. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. I also love that you just said it'll last as long as it's supposed to last because I think we've grown up in such art. The generations are changing, but in generations past, it's been you find the person, you get married, you stay together, you work through whatever. And it's like some relationships really do come into our lives to teach us the lessons we need at that time, like you said. And then it's time for to move on and go to the next one for the next lesson. Um, And I just think that changing that narrative takes a lot of the pressure off of us, too. Like, I know as a woman, I have felt so pressured. I'm almost 40 and I've never Mm -hmm. been married. And so there was this old programming in me like you have to get married. And I had just, mm-hmm. that has not served my life at this point. And so, yeah. um, but getting okay with that myself and then kind of changing the narrative in general, I think is really helpful to letting go of those old stories. Well, what I always say to people is longevity is not an indicator of quality in relationship. Mm. So just because you've been in a relationship for 20 years, it doesn't mean you're happy. Right. You know, but the evolutionary nature of who we are as beings is if we're in it for one year, for three years, for 10 years, whatever that's meant to be, because there is a higher reason why it happens. And once the lesson's learned, you can resolve the karma. Maybe it's a karmic relationship. Maybe it's one that's supposed to last a night. Maybe it's meant to last a lifetime. Whatever that is, it will present itself. I remember someone asked me, they said, Luna, who's my partner? She goes, he goes, so is Luna the one? I'm like, well, she's the one until she's not the one. Right. She's the one right now. You know, like we don't want to get it twisted that like, and the concept of, oh, this is my forever person. I mean, forever doesn't happen in this life, you know? So you're missing out on the bounty and the opportunity of being present by becoming complacent, by going, oh, this is my forever person. Mm. And then you stop making the effort, especially men. They stop showing up. They stop treating their woman with, you know, love and admiration and respect. They lose that spark because they just become complacent. They fall back into patterns. It becomes easy. Then they the woman becomes the quote-unquote ball and chain, which is like, why you want to be in a relationship like that anyway? 
And, you know, they, they'll, men will say, oh, the ball and chain or whatever, or the trouble and strife for, you know, a thing for wife. And I'm like, but like, you'll be out having a drink and then she'll go, you need to come home and you go running. So she's controlling you. You resent her. She resents you. You're squabbling and you're arguing. And then you're going home to drink your troubles away. Right. I said, that's not a relationship in a place of happiness or joy or love. Why are you even in that? You know, and people just stay in it because they've put in five or 10 years or they've got kids together. And staying in those relationships just for the sake of it, it's such a disservice to your own evolution. It's just like a prison that you create. And Mm so I'm, you know, we're a similar age. I'm almost 40 as well. And it's like, I look at it and I go, cool, well, I'm in this relationship now and that'll end when it ends. And, you know, whatever's going to come in for me, life will give me everything that I need. And I don't need to figure that out. And I don't need to have a scarcity mindset about it. And I'm not going to. Am I enjoying the relationship that I'm in? Yeah, I love it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be in it. And when that finishes, I'll move on with love and someone else will come along. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Maybe I'll get a dog. Maybe I'll live in the woods with all the madness that's going on in the world right now. I don't know. know? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. But life will give me whatever I need. And I just trust that. So what's next for you? I know you said you're working with only men right now. Are you ever going to take women clients again? Yeah, I still will. Um, It's not exclusive for that. Like I take it case by case basis. Okay. So if a woman comes to me and there's a certain amount of stuff that I could just go, yeah, like relationships are big for women. And so when I help them dissolve that, those programs, they get to go and be in beautiful partnerships with themselves firstly. And then the extension of that is with someone else because they'll attract in a beautiful man. You know, a lot of women will say, oh, there's no good men around or it's, you know, a woman commented on one of my posts yesterday. She goes, she goes, it's getting harder and harder to find good men. And I said, well, how many good men do you need to find? You only need to find one. Right. You know, like there's, it's not like you need to find 500 of them, at which point, yeah, that might be a bit more of a task. But you've got to examine the nature of that belief. And there is at the moment an all-out assault on masculinity. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's categorical. And if we look at the polarity movement, which you would have seen, I always say it's interesting that if a man gets angry, it's toxic masculinity. But if a woman goes into rage, it's just divine feminine. You know, that's gaslighting, you know, mm-hmm. that it's like, and I saw another post that said, and I talk about this regularly because I think it's ridiculous, that it said, test him a thousand times and then test him a thousand times more. I'm like, that's once a day for six fucking years that my woman would be coming home having a go at me. I'm like, that's ridiculous. That's manipulation and that's abuse. And that is an excuse for women out there that have bipolar or whatever, just to act in whatever way they want. And then what will happen is they'll blame the man for not stepping up because he wasn't man enough to hold all of her. And there's this real manipulative narrative that's going into it. A woman should be able to come home and crumble and break down and cry and the man holds her and goes, I've got you. But if that's every day and it's through manipulation, like what I was saying about the client that messaged me demanding that he do ayahuasca, that's not okay, that kind of behaviour. It's not. If she wants to be with a man that does that, go find someone else. But that's this sort of manipulative stuff that's going on in the polarity movement. What we want is a woman to be able to come to a man and say, I'm struggling. Can you hold me right now? And the man will go, would you like me to listen or do you want me to help you fix what's going on for you? Mm. That's really it. That's really like a conscious relationship. And he'll be able to pick up on it and say, like, is something going on right now? And not try to fix it, not try to change her, rather help her to surrender into safety. And so I do keep working with women, um, to long story short with all of that. But what I really want to be able to create is relationships where people can just be themselves and not be scared of that. 
not be held back by these programs, not be held back by their own fears and limitations, and especially for men, to stop trying to fix the woman. She's not a project to be worked on. She's not a fucking fence out the back you've got to put up. You know, she's not a cabinet that you've got to build or a workshop in the garage. The best thing you can do for a woman is to let her be herself. And, you know, women do test and that's fine, but we don't want to get into these abusive relationships where it's like step up, step up, step up, step up, step up constantly. And then the woman go, well, I was too much for him. It's like, maybe you need to kind of look at yourself in that aspect. And if he's not filling that role for you to make you feel safe, then get out of it. Get out right. of it, you know? <clears throat> that's get out the, of it. Yeah. Don't do it anymore. I think that's an interesting one because it's like you said, it's mirroring to us what we need to think about ourselves. And I know for me, like in the past, there have been behaviors like that where I've been like, what am I doing? And it's like, but you, but instead of leaving, I keep trying to find my safety within the relationship. And I clearly wasn't feeling it. Like yeah. I wasn't feeling safe or whatever it was. And so then it would get into that toxic dynamic that you just described. And that ultimately is still a me issue. <laughs> like it's just yeah. like, you can't try to focus on changing our partner to make us feel safe. You either feel yeah. safe or you don't. And yeah. so if you don't get out, like you said, and this is one of the, the programs which I'll go into. I don't usually go into a program on um, a podcast, but I will. Yeah. Okay. So we've got the anxious and avoidant right. style of attachments, right? So do you want to share which one you are? Do you don't Anx- have to if you I don't mean, want to? Honestly, like in a lot of my relationships now, I'm secure. Like I don't feel it. But when I'm with mm-hmm. a, a partner that kind of goes back and forth, I turn into the anxious side very fast. Okay, cool. So you'll attract in the avoidant, right? So I do, yes. that's the opposite. Right. So if we look at the anxious, well, like there's a fear underneath it, then there's a program underneath it. Okay. So if we look at the anxious one, what do you think, what fear do you think is driving you? Um... I just, I think I have a really hard time trusting the masculine. I've been cheated on. Um, I grew up in an alcoholic home where my dad was Mm -hmm. an alcoholic. So I don't know that that I've ever developed that trust. Yeah. So that's definitely a byproduct, right? That's the emotional byproduct, but there's a fear there, right? There'll be a fear underneath it. So if someone withdraws, what do you want to do? Figure out why they're withdrawing. (laughs) Yeah. So you want to move towards them. Yes. So what are you trying to avoid in that? Um, being hurt, betrayed, or left. Being left, is it? So okay. anxious is driven by a fear of loss. Okay. Okay. So you're going to want to look for closeness, reassurance. But what people miss, like we have needs in a relationship, like your one's probably like closeness and communication. It might right. be touch. It might be acts of service, mm-hmm. whatever. They're all nice and fluffy, but mm-hmm. they're bullshit. Right. Okay. There's five main needs that we have as humans that I've delineated. There's rejection, abandonment, humiliation, victimization, and betrayal. These okay. are the five core needs of our unconscious mind. Right. So if we look at this, your unconscious need will be rejection. So you'll line yourself up with men that don't honor you, that don't serve you, mm-hmm. that will, you know, not honor your needs, will not give you exactly what you want and need. And you'll line yourself up with that because your father wouldn't have been able to do that for you. So he would have been absent. So Mm -hmm. you probably attracted in men that emotionally unavailable like your father would have been, right? So what happens is that's part of the anxious. This is the chain. And then we look at the avoidant. So what does the avoidant do or the withdrawn attachment style? The avoidant, like what do they do in those? They pull away. Yeah, they move away. So what what do you think their fear is? Um, Enmeshment. 
or not quite. That, being that's taken definitely, over. Yeah, like being suffocated. Yep, being okay. seen. Oh, being seen. Yeah, they have a fear really? of being seen. Yep, so they shut down because when they get too close, they open up, and then that becomes overwhelming for them because when they were seen as a child, that became a place of punishment or lack of stability, lack of security. Oh my god, that makes so much sense. Okay. Yeah. So you're wanting to be like, show me, show me, show me. Yes. And they're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's I'm like, show me. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But what happens is they're emotionally unavailable, but then you would have also been emotionally unavailable as well because your deepest fear is actually intimacy and opening up. Mm-hmm. That's your unconscious fear is intimacy. Your conscious fear is abandonment. That's right. the fear of loss. Yeah. Your unconscious fear is deep intimacy because if I'm consciously worried about them leaving, if I show all of me and I give that to them and they leave, then that confirms the very fear that I'm trying mm-hmm. to avoid. So then I attract someone in that has to be withdrawn, which by virtue of that is going to leave me anyway because that's what I believe, mm-hmm. right? So this is the construct of physics. But underneath that, there's a program in the form of negation that's running the show. So if there's a fear of loss and a fear of being seen, the behavior is to withdraw. The other behavior is to move towards. What is there an absence of in all of that? More intimacy, safety. What else? Safety. Yeah. So I want you to say back to me, I'm not safe. I'm not safe. Say it again. I'm not safe. Say it again. I'm not safe. I'm not safe. How does that feel? Makes me want to cry. Yeah. Like, just sit with that for a moment. And I just want to acknowledge this. Thank you for letting me go there of how beautiful this is that I can go there with you. Say it again. I'm not safe. I'm not safe. Yeah. And just feel into that little girl that didn't feel safe around her father because that's what's coming up and that's what we're reconciling right now. I'm almost going to cry because it's like a feeling <laughs> coming up within me. But this is a beautiful moment for you because now what we've done is we've been able to put together what's been driving you for so many years. And so you'll attract in men that will reveal this for you. That will reveal what? Oh, the old you're not story. safe. Yeah. Yeah. The program is I'm not safe. Yeah. And this is beautiful because people are witnessing exactly how the mind operates and the biophysics in the body, you're having a release at the deepest level now through this program being opened up. And so if we look at this, how how old are you? Nearly 40, we'll say. I'm 39, yeah. 39. And you're safe right now. You're safe right now, yeah? (laughs) It's making me want to cry more. Yeah, it's okay. But you're safe right now, yeah? Yes. How many decisions do you think you've made from, you know, the style of hair that you've got to the artwork in the background to the clothes (laughs) that you're wearing since you were born? Out of fear? Just generally anything, like what you ate for breakfast, what you're going to do later, what you've done in the past, every decision you've ever made. Oh, gosh. I don't even know. Hundreds of millions. Yeah. Okay. Hundreds of millions and you're safe right now, yeah? Yes. How many of those decisions must have worked out for you if you've arrived at safety today at 39 years old and made hundreds of millions of decisions? A lot of them. A bit more than that. A bit more than a lot? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Hundreds of millions? Every single one of them. Oh. 
every single decision by virtue of the fact that you have arrived at safety today doesn't mean it was easy. It doesn't mean we condone certain behaviors. doesn't mean we want to repeat it. But nevertheless, at 39 years old and hundreds of millions of decisions evidenced in your history, you've arrived at safety. Mm. So now what can your future be like in a relationship, welcoming in intimacy? You've got a beautiful heart. You're a beautiful woman. Thank you. And you've been stingy in the way that you've been showing up because you're scared of intimacy, because you've been coming from a program of I'm not safe. Yeah. So is it actually a truth that you've not been safe because you've arrived at safety, which means you've been safe the whole time? Right. So I've what does your future look like? Um, if that's gone, because we've just seen that it's not true. Okay. There right. might have been hard situations, but yes. you've arrived at safety. If I said to you, all right, Kelly, in for the next 60 years, you're going to arrive at safety every single time. It doesn't matter what you say, doesn't matter what you do, you are taken care of by a divine force that mm -hmm. we can't fully understand because you've got evidence, a 100% success rate of arriving today at safety. Yes. So if that's gone, if I'm not safe, isn't true, how can you show up in your future? What sort of person could you be without that there? Well, less anxious and probably yep. I would imagine more authentic and with allowing for more intimacy for remove to be them actually all. seen. Yeah. Yeah. Remove, remove them more out of it. Authentic. Authentic. Intimate. intimate. Loving. Okay. Spacious. Free. Free. I actually thought of that one too. That was a good breath out you just took there as well. <laughs> you saw that. I, I did, yeah. So your physiology is starting to change. It's just like, yeah. oh, I'm yes. free. Like feel into that. Yeah, it feels like a, I, I, when you were asking me about the relationships, I felt my shoulders get tight. Like it's like this weight. And so when it, you yeah. said free and that was what I was thinking, it was like, right. Like, yeah, you can let it go. Yeah. That's the biophysics of it, right? So when we, when we shift the way we see something, you've been safe your whole life. Yeah. But you've just been in the idea that you're not going to be safe. Yes. And that program of I'm not safe has been driving the show for you. And now you get to have this beautiful moment of experience to understand, wow, this is what I've been doing the whole mm. time. And so now knowing that you will arrive at safety, what, what can you access with that? I mean, to me, I can't stop thinking the word freedom. That's it. Yeah. It's just, it feels because I, I think the message or, or the things that happen to me are I'm like, don't get in that same kind of relationship, avoid that kind of man. Like, but it's all my mind thinking and trying to think yeah. out of it, you know? And yeah. then don't I think up, about a red car. Right. Exactly. Don't think about a yellow <laughs> balloon. Don't think about a pink elephant. Right. Don't get into that relationship. Right. Don't talk to that man. Don't be with that man. You're creating yes. the very thing that you say that you don't want. It's so true. Because in the I'm not safe program that's running the show, what do you think you're going to attract in? Circumstances that make you feel unsafe. Mm -hmm. But the paradox is, is they're actually safe to you because they're predictable and familiar. Right. And so now you get to explore a whole new world without this constraint of I'm not safe because we've just, by awareness, we've dissolved it. Now you can see the pattern, which is fear of loss, anxious attachment, fear of being seen, withdrawn attachment. So emotionally unavailable men that would be maybe chaotic and unstable is the blueprint with which you've been running by to prove to yourself that you're not safe. Mm. Congratulations. You got to be right about the fact that you weren't safe by lining yourself up with it. 
But what we did <laughs> through the questioning, <laughs> right. what we did through the questioning is to dissolve that through the evidence that even though things would have been really difficult for you, all of those circumstances have lined up in events for you to be who you are today, to mm. see the fact that you've been running from the program of I'm not safe, which we can now get rid of, and now you get to show up in the world. Now you get to be a space for love and acceptance and intimacy and your authenticity in your full expression without the fear of being rejected, without the actual demand of being rejected, without the unconscious need to be rejected. You can see all that because really if we look at it, who's been rejecting who in all of this? Am I rejecting myself? Yeah, and you know who else you're rejecting? Who? You're rejecting all the good men out there because you're not giving them an opportunity to love you because you're too busy trying to be right about the fact that you're not safe. Oh, my God. So you've been rejecting them. No one's been rejecting you except yourself. Wow. Yeah, like how does that feel? I mean, mind blown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is so fascinating. It's yeah. right. I mean, I feel it. It is exactly yeah. right. And it is true what you say about a lot of women and particularly me. I can have gotten stuck on there's no good men out there for a really long time. I hated that. Like I just was like, oh, there's another asshole, you know, because but that was what I was drawing in. Yeah. Proving my point to myself. Yeah, correct. Right. So mm -hmm. what we did just there is we started to dissolve 35, 39 years of not feeling safe. That's why you started to cry. That was the release. It's yeah. coming from the body. The psychology informs our biology. So when we have that release, when the program opens up, there's a release there. So now by seeing this, you can't help but be a different person because we've expanded your awareness, especially mm -hmm. around the rejection that you've actually been rejecting the good men out there. <laughs> right. There'll probably be a line of them. I'm so There'll sorry, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a line of beautiful men waiting to honor you and treat you like the woman that you are. But you've just been going, nah, I'm too busy right. being right about the fact that you're all assholes. <laughs> God. <laughs> well, geez, now I'm excited to start dating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get out there, do it. Let, it. let it just work for you and feel into that, that there's no truth to you not being safe. You've arrived at safety at 39 years old, making wow. hundreds of millions of choices. You're going to be safe. It's going to be okay. And you'll be okay until you're not okay. And at that point, you won't care anyway because you'll be dead and you'll be in a much happier, healthier place than this right. fucking mad world that we're in at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Thank you. That was an You're unexpected welcome. gift for my day. So I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Well, then that was a gift from me to you. Now you need to go and be the gift to the world that you already are, that you just couldn't see. Okay. Deal. You have yourself a deal. deal. Awesome. <laughs> Good virtual handshake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay. Tell people where the, they can find you because do you take virtual clients? I know you're in Australia. I obviously have most of my listeners in America. So if they wanted yep. to reach you, how would they do that? Uh, Pure Jaguar on Instagram is one way. My website, jaguarheart.co. Um, I do Zoom, phone, face-to-face, -face, whatever. It doesn't really matter. I, all I need is a phone, really, because I can hear yeah. what's going on. Okay. Um, and people will have just gotten an idea of how I work exactly. just by doing that with you. So we can see how quickly can we can resolve it. You know, we just resolved three decades, three and a half decades of not feeling safe in, you know, maybe three, four minutes. Right. That's how quick it can happen. And by the tears okay. coming up, that's the release. You'll probably see some people drop in, some old people might come back. Let the world of physics and quantum physics take care of you. 
So I thank you for the opportunity for allowing me to do that and being so beautiful and vulnerable in your approach to it, to, to step up, to be able to do that. That's what, you know, leaders do and it takes real courage to do that. So I just want to honour you and acknowledge you in that and how much I respect the courage for you to do that. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that. Thank you. Gosh, I want to crack it. <laughs> this was very emotional. I really appreciate it. Seriously, this was amazing for me and I hope that the listeners did get the taste of what this can be like this none of this was planned or I can't fabricate this you guys know me I do this every now and again but it just comes up and so I'm glad we got to share that with everyone thank you yeah me too thank you thank you guys so much for listening thanks for listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast with Kelly Henderson where we believe everyone has a little velvet and a little edge Subscribe for more conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. Search Velvet's Edge wherever you get your podcasts.